بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوهد وأكرمني بنور الفهد اللهم افتح علينا أرباب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الله We've been discussing the miraculous nature of the Quran and there are few more ideas related to this issue in the book One is what are the features of the Quran that makes the Quran a unique book and a miracle. We already talked about some aspects. Another thing that needs to be added is the linguistic aspect of Quran. Although the same letters, you know, Arabic language has certain letters and the Quran doesn't have more letters Arabic language has certain grammar the Quran doesn't have a special grammar it's the same letters the same grammar <coughs> whether it be morphology or syntax but it's different it's like you give the same ingredients and recipe because recipe is the same ingredients are the same but one makes a delicious food another makes a food that all the cooks say this is not what we can make this is beyond our capacity so then you wonder what has happened ingredients are the same recipe is the same when letters are the same, words are the same, sarf and naf, grammatical rules are the same, why Quran is different? Even as the book mentions, the Quran is different from prophetic hadith. We have many hadith from Prophet Muhammad For example, there is a collection called Nahjul Fasaha. Nahjul Fasaha, which is the path of eloquence. Fasaha means eloquence, Nahj means path. The path of eloquence. There are also many hadiths, different books, but this is all uh, prophetic hadith in Nahjul Fasaha. When you read prophetic hadith, you find them very eloquent, but not like Quran. You can feel, you can sense the difference between them and the Quran. Also, we have Hadith Qudsi. Have you heard the terminology Hadith Qudsi, divine saying? We have Hadith from God, but not as Quran. For example, God told Prophet Muhammad in the night of Mi'raj, ascension to the sky, to heaven, there is Hadith Mi'raj, starting uh, phrases with Ya Ahmad, O Ahmad. 
you might have seen this hadith of the Rasul. There are many hadiths from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained to, through the prophets to us. Even, for example, we have hadith in our sources about what God told Moses, God told Jesus, God told Abraham. So these are words of God expressed to us by Ma'soom, but you see, they are not the same as Quran. So neither hadith of Prophet nor divine sayings are the same as Quran. Although they are Arabic, they are eloquent. And they have very deep content. But when you come from Hadith of Prophet or from Ahadith of Qudsi, by the way, if you want a good collection of Ahadith of Qudsi, there is a book, Al Jawahir al Saniyya Fil Ahadith al Qudsiya. Al Saniyya. With Sin Al Jawahir al Saniyya Fil Ahadith al Qudsiya. It's a collection of Ahadith, uh, let's see. So when you come from prophetic hadith which are eloquent, or ahadith which are eloquent to the Quran, is like coming from a pool to ocean. I don't want to underestimate prophetic hadith, but I'm saying Quran is different. Nothing is like Quran. In the book, you find also some quotations from orientalists who are not muslims they are not biased if someone says muslims are biased these are not biased people these are orientalists and they have no uh, you know bias towards islam and they say that how the arabs were not able to bring anything like the quran and how even they spent years and they could not make even 10 verses of the Quran. The other thing is that Quran is not a poem. You know, in different languages, different uh, cultures, you have poems which are very important. For example, in Arabic, we have poems in Farsi, in English, in French, there are poems. Poems because of their nature, they have some added beauty because of rhythm, structure, they have some added beauty. But many times poems also come with exaggeration, with metaphorical language, even sometimes with lying. You know, there is a saying uh, in Arabic, أَعْذَبُ الشِّعْرِ means the most pleasant poem is the one which is most dishonest. means it comes with more exaggeration. You know, you distort the truth to make it more attractive. Quran is not a poem, but still is attractive. Quran doesn't come with exaggeration, with distortion, with twisting the tr truth or reality, but still it's attractive and engaging. So this is something that 
the Arabs of that time understood better than anyone else because they were at the peak. Yes. Is it because uh, the Quran has no lies, just fully really pure and truth? Is that is that why it's uh, splitting or uh, moving away from being a power? This is one reason. This is one reason. One is because poems were normally mixed with wrong ideas and the Quran also criticizes some poets. It's not every poet, but the poets of that time and some poets in other times, many of them were just you know, trying to mesmerize people with their words and there was no truth in it. And the people who are misguided follow them. The Quran says, The other thing is, the Quran is a text which accepts recitation with some melody. Normally, poems are possible to be read or recited with melody, poems. But pose, a text which is not poem, normally is not possible. Even for example, a hadith. Normally you cannot uh, recite them like the Quran with def different recitations. So it's a text that admits, you know, like for example, sometimes if you want to make a, a statue, you need something like a special clay that admits shaping and forming, yeah? If it is too soft or too hard, you cannot use it for making a statue. It has to be soft, it has to accept shape, but also it has to keep the shape. So there are many things that have to be in the paste so that you can make a statue. Text is like this. To be able to recite a text in different melodies, especially in the way that they can reflect the meaning and can have impact on the soul, is not what every text accepts. And perhaps one aspect of recommending people to recite the Quran with beautiful voice is because the Quran accepts that and welcomes that. Everything has a decoration, has adornment, and for the Quran, the adornment or decoration is beautiful voice. You see, some people, even non-Muslims, even people who don't know Arabic, when they listen to beautiful recitations, they are impressed. Even some years back, I heard that some people embraced Islam just by listening to Abdul Basit. When Abdul Basit used to recite, some people were so much moved that they embraced Islam. Of course, unfortunately, we are not able to listen to the recitation of Prophet ﷺ, that I told you how attractive it was and even leaders of Quraysh were not able to resist. We have about, for example, recitation of Imam Zainul Abidin that when he was reciting, people who were passing by his house used to stop. So there was a 
you know, <laughs> jam traffic outside his house when he was reciting. People would not just carry on. They, they were so much impressed by his recitation. Today, unfortunately, we don't have that heavenly voice. But even ordinary people who recite with some sincerity and with some skill, still you see there is impact and it can move you. Some people also have made a beautiful point. Uh, one of the Orientalists also recently made this point is that the Quran is an oral text or a verbal text. You know, the Quran is something to be recited, not just to be written. The, you know, the name Quran, what does Quran mean? Quran comes from Qara'ah, means to be recited. You know, there are texts that whether you read them or you, you don't read them, for example, you can just write them. But if you recite them or read them loud or not, doesn't make any difference. But Quran seems to be a spoken word, not a written word. Although it is written down, but there are beauties in the Quran that when Quran is spoken, become obvious. You know, the written Quran is beautiful, but there are some beauties that when you speak, and recite, then they become more clear and more obvious. So it's very important to recite the Quran and to observe, of course, the etiquettes of recitation. Inshallah, we'll talk about this. Then there is a discussion here about sweetness of the Quran. Most of the books, maybe 99% of the books, if you read them a few times, they become boring. And perhaps 99.99, .99, not after a few times, but after 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, become boring. So most of the books, after a few times, maybe 99.99 .99 after 20, 30 times. But the Quran is different. The more you recite the Quran, the more you discover the beauty of the Quran and the more you sense the sweetness of the Quran. Because always you find something new and there is a di discovery. If you go to a place many, many times and there is nothing new, then it may become boring. Imagine if you go to a restaurant and there is a fixed menu and you like the food there but you go once, twice, three times, ten times, fifteen times, twenty times, after some time it becomes boring. But imagine you go to a restaurant that has the best food and they keep adding to the menu and always what they add is the best. Then you would not feel, you know, bored with this restaurant. You'd want to go again and again. And also you want to invite other people 
to have this experience. Yeah? Whenever you enjoy something as a human being, when we enjoy something, we would like to share. It's not a nature of human being to be miserly. You know, some people, when they enjoy something, they don't tell other people. Like, for example, you know, if I find a good restaurant, I don't tell anyone. This is not, I think, a human behavior. It's a bad behavior. I don't want anyone to know about this. If there is a good lecture, I don't tell anyone. There's a good book, I don't tell anyone. No, human beings would like to share. Okay? So you want to take people there. You want to give address to other people. So a mu'min, when it comes to the Qur'an, has this experience. That he goes and enjoys. The next time he enjoys more. And then he wants to invite other people to enjoy. The other aspect of the Qur'an is what the Qur'an says itself. أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنِ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Don't they reflect and ponder on the Qur'an? Had the Qur'an been from someone other than God, they would have found lots of اختلاف, lots of conflicts and contradictions in the Qur'an. Can you imagine a person who has not been to any school, so has not had a degree or even little schooling in literature, has not gone through any training, okay? He doesn't have books and libraries around him. He doesn't have professors around him and advisors. And over 23 years of most challenging time, he presents a text and this text has no contradiction. Many writers, many philosophers, many jurists, many mystics, although they are trained, they have books, they have teachers, they have students, they have libraries. And they don't go to the difficulties that Prophet went through. If you read their books, you find there is a difference. Their ideas might have changed. Sometimes they said something, another time they disagreed. They came with another idea. The depth is not the same. At least the depth is different. The quality is different. The attraction is different. But the Quran is not like this. The Quran has come from a source other than the Prophet himself. And you see, whether you take from the first revelation or the last revelation or middle revelation is the same. Yeah? Imagine if a person is making a drink for you. For example, you know, say Sharbat. You know Sharbat? So if someone is making Sharbat, you know, Sharbat of Limu, for example, you know, lemon juice or lemon syrup. So if you give this person 23 years, 
And he is a person who, you know, really takes his work seriously and thinks and takes opinion of people. For sure, the sharbat that he makes after 23 years should be different from the one that he used to make first year. It's a different quality. Yeah? If someone is making cake, after 23 years of making cake, then it must make better cakes. But if someone is giving you water from a fresh spring, after 23 years, it's the same taste. Because fresh water coming from a pure source. There is nothing human in this. The taste is just the taste of pure and fresh water. So, Rasulullah was not making the Quran, composing the Quran, so that his experience, his age, the conditions that he went through would affect the Quran. Rasulullah is giving us Quran from a spring of knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which was sent down to him. And it has the same taste, the same attraction, the same light. Also in the Quran, we have references to some scientific ideas. I don't know if you have studied something about embryology of the Quran. There have been studies. In the first unit of the book also we have mentioned something, but uh, there are also some, you know, good material on the internet about some scientists who have worked on embryology of Qurans. Some are not Muslims. There is an American scientist who was asked by some people from Egypt and after studying and reflecting on the verses of the Quran about embryo, he said this is something that there was no way for people of that century or any following century up to today to know. This is something that needed the most advanced equipment and scientific development, which is just available now. So there are lots of scientific things in the Quran. There are news about future events in the Quran. Like, for example, Quran informed Muslims about the victory of the Romans in a matter of few years, if you study the beginning of Surat Rum, the Romans, Allah says to Muslims that Romans were defeated in a near place. You know, Romans were Christians and Iranians were Zoroastrians. So when Zoroastrians defeated Christians, Muslims were sad. Because Christians were closer to faith in God. Okay? But those Zoroastrians also believed in God, but Christians were more monotheistic or closer to monotheism. So they were sad. Why they were defeated? 